Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's episode 100, and we've got flashback clips from our very first show, including our premier guest, Duncan Trussell, along with a nice fresh episode with subjects including children as accessories, destroying our beautiful aquarium earth for profit, the possible biblical origins of the phrase bag of dicks, devil worship, time travel, and the insanity of investing one more dime into fossil fuels. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 100 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Now, I had great intentions and a massive plan to carefully go through the first 25 episodes and find nuggets of awesomeness to sort of sprinkle together. But what I found is almost every episode has like 12 to 14 minutes of awesomeness. So if you were going to do 20 of them, well, that's not going to work. If you're going to do three of them, it doesn't make much sense. So we're going to play the first like three minutes of the first episode. To give everybody the mind of how shitty our mics were, how much I breathed into the mic, which I wonder why anybody would ever listen again after listening to that horse shit, which is a part of the reason I couldn't get through 25 of them, because it does improve. But before we jump into our first uh, three minutes of episode one or yes, whatever yes. that was... Quick thank you to Datsusara, Sure Design, and Onnit. Datsusara, by the way, I don't know if you notice, on every single Black Friday through the whole weekend, if you click at DS Gear to yeah. say, oh, what deals do they have? What do they. Uh, Chris has published this thing that always never fails to crack me up every time that basically says there's nothing on the side that you can find. You can find the bags, you can find anything, right? The only page you can find there is something in which Chris wrote. Buy nothing weekend. Thanks for thinking of including Datsusara in your Black Friday and Summer Monday shopping. However, here at Datsusara, we do things differently. Every year, we shut down the website from Friday to Monday. We do this to discourage the kind of crazy consumerism madness that these types of events support. For us, it's not about making as much money as we can by selling you things you don't need. That's just not our style. Rather, we suggest spending more time with your loved ones, doing the things that truly matter, and only buying products when you need them. Thank you for your support. Enjoy your time and cheers. Team Datsusara. Wow. How badass is that? That's very bold. Yeah. I, I'm sure consumer enforcement's going to be by to fix that shit immediately. I mean, he, he literally cheats himself out of probably thousands of dollars every year by doing that. That's never... His thing um, has been provide good products and make people happy. And that's why, you know, when you guys are like, oh, that's a Sarah game, that's why. That's a Sarah is awesome. You know, Chris O'Dell is a hell of a good human being. The products are great. So when it's not Cyber Monday anymore, check them out. It's, uh, um, they are, I really cannot say enough good things about them. ISIS resistant. What else needs to be said? 
absolutely that yeah that that commercial I, I shall forever be happy to have been immortalized in that animation if you guys haven't seen it and don't know what rich is talking about we had red uh duncan inspired datsusara commercial in a past episode good fun times it has been animated streamed on the ufc fight pass good things Thank you, of course, to Onnit for the awesome products. I figure, you know, I always say there's so much stuff on Onnit. Go check it out. That's me being lazy, too. I mean, yeah, it's true. But at the same time, just to give you a taste for a few things each time, um, one thing that I'm a huge fan of are the um, Bison bars. Double reason. A, they taste good. Great protein from buffalo that's not monstrously fattening like a lot of uh, regular meat. So that's good stuff. But on top of it, the, the the guy who makes the bars, the place where then they sell them to Onnit and then Onnit sell them to the public, the guy who actually make them on out of South Dakota, he has donated thousands of them to the um, to the guys on the front lines in North Dakota against the pipeline being run there. He literally gave away thousands upon thousands of dollars in the process in food that these guys can use right there and then. Nice. So not only it's good stuff, I also really dig what he's doing with it and his willingness to part with thousands of dollars to support uh, some of the people just fighting the good fight. So one more reason, and the fact that On is in partnership with them and is helping sell their products to much wider audience that they could possibly normally reach, is yet another reason why Onnit kicks us. So let's start with that. And the, they have Himalaya salt that I used in all my Thanksgiving cooking, which it's more potent. You got to like go it. easy on it, but man, I it's like that great. one a lot. Yeah. In fact, so that's the Onnit corner for today. And of course, <laughs> short design. As usual, we have our T-shirts. You're thinking of Christmas gifts last minute. We have four of them: the Drunken Taoist logo, the Unisian Parade, the Happy Nietzsche with the surfboard, EQ. I'm sporting today. That's the t-shirt I have on. Uh, there are ours. They're all made in short design material, so you can order them through the links in um, in our episode notes. And also you can check all of the good stuff that they have at short design of their own designs. Um, also brilliant, made with the same super soft cotton. Any of these, that's a Sarah short design on it. There are discount codes in the episode notes. So if you want to order through them, please do. That would be sweet. I have to mention our friends at Steelgrass Farms on Kauai because uh, thanks to them, we mixed some drinks up today. Yeah, we're uh, drunk. The, uh, the, the, the vanilla has been soaking in the vodka since May. So six months is what I wow. gave to it. And they claim that you can, that, that van- you can pull that vanilla bean out and put it into sugar and it'll still soak more vanilla out of it. That it hasn't been completely. So we're going to test with that. But that was a nice little gift from awesome Steelgrass Farms. And Hello, thank Kauai. you, yeah, thank you for the um, letting people know that we are mildly buzzed. So please indulge us, a because it's episode one hundred, so we're in a celebratory mode. Yes. B because we're mildly drunk, so please, if we make less sense than usual, just be charitable just and let it. it slide. But on that note, let's get ready. Oh, one thing. Uh, Savannah, fight on December 11th. Miss Savannah, I'll be there. Um, she has her MMA fight clo- about half hour east of San Diego on December 11th. If you live in the area, you want to come by, message us. We'll try to hook you up with tickets. And that's the gig. 
Having said that, let's get on to the episode. All right, so the next thing you'll hear will be from four years ago. Some fools got a microphone and started a podcast. Hi guys, my name is Rich Evers, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the host of our show. He's the holder of the world record for highest number of panties dropped by women within a minute immediately after listening to the man's accent. If the Olympic Committee agrees to this event, he'll be a guaranteed gold medal winner at the next Olympic Games, Rio 2016, everybody. He's Daniel Bellelli, the drunken Taoist, savage philosopher, middle finger of the gods. Put the kids to bed, bury your treasure, and most importantly... Hide your women. The Drunken Taos podcast begins now. And you can go Kentucky, so, uh, I mean, close enough. enough. I'm actually Hawaiian. No, you're not. Yeah. Really? I was born in Hawaii. Check you out. They're going to take me. Which island? Uh, Oahu. Show me your birth certificate. Uh, Brock and I used to smoke cigarettes at the mall and drink Orange Julius's in 1973. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, guys, I'm ready to roll. Rolling. So, Drunken Taoist Podcast, Episode 1. Uh, the most obvious questions that I've been asked uh, over the last few weeks that were getting the ball rolling was, uh, what exactly is the podcast about? Wrong question right there because what exactly is about it's about life you know to me is i distrust specialists in any field i don't like people who identify with one thing and one thing only that's where experts are born and life dies you know i grew up with this sense that is about life is about interconnectedness that's the name of the game it's not about doing one thing in isolation from everything else i mean even even when people relate to me, they're like, wait, you are Italian, but you teach in American Indian studies, Asian American studies, history, philosophy. What the fuck? You know, it's like your kid is half Chinese. You practice mixed martial arts, but you study philosophy. You have been called uh, as an expert in documentaries about Bruce Lee, the Roman Emperor Caligula, the religious use of marijuana. I mean, what the, what's the connection there? What, the only connection is that it's all about life. Wherever there's a heartbeat, I'm interested. Anywhere there isn't, I'm not. You know, so to me, asking me is not about any category that you can neatly fit under in iTunes. You know, this is the comedy section. This is the history section. This, it isn't. The category is passion, intensity, life. That's what we're going to be playing with. So we have to mention that our pal Duncan Trussell joined us for episode one. So here's a little flashback taste of that. You won't believe we even bothered to do episode two after this one. And after what Duncan did. <laughs> he killed our audience. With I his. believe that there's a good notion that everybody goes, oh, I'll listen from the beginning. And when they listen to one and hear the epic story of. Yeah, that's probably killed our audience. I on think episode it has one. I think anyway. It's all Duncan's fault. That's what happened. Now, this is not that story, but this is <laughs> Duncan talking about something much less controversial. Worshipping the devil. The way the information imprints in my brain, I think, mm -hmm. is that 
sometimes I'll come across stuff that answers questions I've had for a really long time right. in a super cool way that I've never heard before. And somehow the relief that comes from having a new handle to put around mm-hmm. something that up until that point I've been confused about maybe burns the shit into my head. Right. But everything else, I don't remember shit. Yeah. Faces. Dude, I just walked, I, I was, I, I, I like walked up up to the cafe this morning and there's a guy with a beard and I, he, he was looking at me like he knew me and waving at me and my mind is no different from someone with like late stage senile dementia. <laughs> like, cause, cause it's, it's like, not only am I, my vision's fucked up, like I'm right. farsighted. So it's just kind of this yeah. like fuzzy thing. When I get closer, I'm like, well, I think it's my friend William so I'll just act like that. I'm like, hey, what's up? You grew a beard. Because <laughs> my friend doesn't have a beard, but right. kind of facially looks like him. He's like, I'm from the record store. Like, I ran into him at a record. Right. He works at a record yeah. store I went into once. So it's really embarrassing. So what I mean is, like, there's a I, – I, I, I will accept that my mind is a sponge for esoteric right. symbols – but everything else is no. But then again, you we can chat about Led Zeppelin song. We can chat about you know you because name they're it. They're into the occult, of, you know. Led right. Zeppelin's like I love Led Zeppelin because uh, uh, Robert Plant, uh, no Jimmy Page uh-huh. was you know into Crowley right. and actually bought Crowley's yep. um, home and was living in it for a while. And when you right. listen to the music, even the you know, reviled Stairway to Heaven, when you listen to that from the perspective of a thelemite which is you know the name of crowley's religion and suddenly all those symbols you realize mole wow holy fuck he was deep into this shit man because he's like weaving some hardcore symbolism into this like you know from the kabbalah and the tarot and and you know when and when you listen to led zeppelin um it just kind of feels like he's singing about lord of the rings and he is singing about lord of the rings explicitly right Yeah. yeah <clears throat> but it seems like it's just like almost like fantasy rock, right? But it's not. It's like really deep um, uh, Crowleyan metaphysics and and that shit, which I love, right? You know, because when you weave into your your art um, living symbols, mm-hmm. then the art will can can really gain a kind of immortality, right? And when you don't do that, then you just got this dead thing got it so if i throw if i throw out there the beach boys instead they wouldn't have had quite the same effect eh? it's led zeppelin because there's a guy yes the beach boys are not going to take you mentally they're going to take you to a certain place because that you know the the mind behind it is a someone who's was an outsider artist and kind of lunatic so they are going to like you do kind of feel like behind the beach music Mm -hmm. there is a howling pit of suffering like when you realize that it's kind of awesome right but you're still not, you know, yeah. you're going to get what you get from Zeppelin or, or from um, even fucking Black Sabbath, even though that's right. a more rudimentary mm-hmm. approach that's kind of like basically like a, it feels like uh, an angry Catholic who decided to go dark. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure they will love you for saying that. <laughs> I would walk up to them. And <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, like anytime right. people start worshiping the devil, right. the, the, the funny thing about anything involving the worship of Satan, the satanic bargain, mm-hmm. 
meeting the devil and the devil wanting your soul. Right. These are such rudimentary approaches uh, to symbolizing n- not reaching your maximum potential or setting uh, – your boat in a in a harbor right. long before your destination in exchange for all the booze and women and pr- making yourself think you're in paradise, you know? Right. But just being like, oh, it's the devil. It's this dude who's, like, <laughs> fucking obsessed with, it. like, right. super-evolved monkey souls. <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't know. I just like him. Like, there's, there's right. some other part of the universe where he's just, like, an old man who's got a stamp collection that's just, like... <laughs> Lazy monkey souls. Now here's one last clip that turns out to be very true. And that's how our show does a good job of reaching out to folks who feel like they might be a little out of place. And uh, a lot of our audiences communicated to us earlier. year. So here is uh, kind of the future being told by Mr. Bolelli. After being a guest on... Um Joe Rogan's podcast, Duncan Trussell's podcast. That was a really educational experience for me to be on their podcast because it made me realize that there are many, many, many more exceptions out there than I imagined before. In other words, there are many cooler human beings than I thought. I mean, I know there are some cool human beings. I realized there are more. I realized that there are many. You know, I guess to me, the whole point of here is making making connections for people who feel like they may be mushroom spores from outer place, outer space that have somehow floated on Earth, but you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? You feel different from everybody around you. You feel that something is... It makes you wonder, like, am I some strange alien from outer space? What am I doing here? And yet, through... The wonders of technology, I guess, through something like podcasts, through the net, through something. The fact that it puts us in contact with people from across the globe who have similar interests, it may open up to the possibility that there are there are places for weird people like you. And there are many other weird human beings like you who have something special going, who also feel the same weirdness and a level of alienation with their surroundings. And not because necessarily they are wrong, but because there's something awesome about them that their immediate surroundings don't reflect. So part of what I want to do here is bring together a whole bunch of cool human beings that will come up on the podcast, have fun conversation, have intense conversation, have passionate conversations, where may strike a chord with the experience of some of you guys sitting at home or in your car, wherever it is that you are listening to this stuff. All right, that's it. End of the trip down memory lane. Now on to a nice, fresh episode 100. Thanks for listening, everybody. Who knows what surprises await us as the next 100 episodes unfurl, but uh, at 200, certainly something crazy will be going on. Now, I'll place one last Duncan clip at the end of the show if you want to listen to it. It's not the show killer we spoke of, but uh, you're going to have to hunt that one down for yourself. Episode one out there on the internet. But uh, this is a gentle conversation about time travel that quickly descends into some deep, deep questions and completely off the rails. So check it out at the end of episode 100. Enjoy, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Somebody's done a great series of photos. It's one drink, two drink, three drink. Yep. 
and just the person at the beginning of the party, and they all are like, like, yeah, angry, loosen up, a little bit of a smile, kind of maybe good, happy, but maybe a wreck. Yeah, yes, start going downhill. It's unbelievable how you can just see it. You're obviously gonna be able to fuck that girl, right? Three drinks in here because she's gonna forget that chlamydia sucks, and uh. Pregnancy becomes non-issue. Just right. No, get some fucking going on. Yeah. Where shall we go now? <clears throat> yeah, speaking of fucking. Yeah, actually, literally. Um, so, Bible story. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm going to do my Bible thing. Brothers and sisters, now that President Pence is about to be in control and you'll all be uh, inscripted into the holy army of the Muslim destruction, Bible stories. Is this Old Testament? Of course. So we share this with our Muslim friends. Yes. We shall call this the tale of the 200 foreskins. Now, I got a joke. (laughs) Please do tell. There is a doctor that performed thousands of foreskins through his career. Yeah. And he's getting ready to retire. Right. So he had saved all these little foreskins in some formaldehyde. Wow. And he That's brought like him some serial killer shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he brought him to a leather worker and just explained, you know, these are yeah. my career and you know, just retirement. And he says, "Well, okay, give me a couple of weeks. I'll work out something for you." A couple of weeks later, the guy gives him a call. He says, "I'm ready. Come check it out." And he comes to his guy's shop and he comes up and puts a little box right in front of him. It's a tiny, little, not very large box. And he opens it up. It's a wallet. That guy goes, "A wallet." This is my career you're talking about. You give me a wallet. He said, hey, 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 rub it for 30 seconds. It becomes a briefcase. <laughs> oh! <laughs> anyway, foreskins. Uh, on the note of foreskins, <laughs> we go to the good Old Testament, kind of chronologically to where we left off the last time after the whole... Uh, Raping angels uh, and... Soul, uh, no, we had gone through a story involving one of the first Jewish kings, Saul, oh, and all of yes, that, right? Yes. Kill them all. So now we have a nice battle breaking out between Jewish people and Philistines. And uh, a champion from the Philistines named Goliath stepped forward to challenge anyone from the Jewish side. And his young boy named David volunteered to fight. He uses his sling, his sling rather, let me pronounce it right, to kill the gigantic Goliath and then proceed to cut off his head. Caravaggio style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like 3,000 Caravaggio paintings right there. Um, In the years to come, as he grows up, David is given increasingly more responsibilities by King Saul, who likes the guy. He's like, hey, you killed Goliath. Good job. We like you. So, well, um, he gets more and more responsibility. But that's the problem with working for a king, that sometimes they like you as long as you're getting the job done. But when you start getting a little too famous, a little too well-liked by the people, then it's like, oh, now you're competition. So Saul starts having second thoughts about David. doesn't like him so much anymore. He's, uh... So at some point, in an effort to have David killed, because he's like, this guy's bugging me. I can't just go out and kill him because people like him and he's getting a little too famous for Perhaps that. Perhaps it could befall an accident. Yeah, exactly. Things happen. So he say, I tell you what, I like you so much and you're such a good guy that I'm going to give you one of my daughters in marriage. Oh, right. On one condition, you need to go out and you need to bring back the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. So go kill them, chop off what you need to chop off, bring them back, and that will be your sign that you are a good son-in-law. 
I think going through their pockets after this dad would be odd enough. (laughs) That would be. Get his cock out real quick. (laughs) Chop, chop, chop. Right? That's literally where Bag of Dicks came from. That's exactly where it's at, right? Now, rather than being killed by the Philistines, as Saul was hoping, David is actually successful in this endeavor. So he does kill a hundred Philistines. He actually doesn't just kill a hundred, he comes back with a lovely gift of 200 Philistine foreskins because he's an overachiever, right? (laughs) (laughs) So Saul's sons, Jonathan, who actually like David, begin to tell him, hey, in case you haven't noticed, they are trying to have you killed here. So get the hell out before my father can figure out that dispense with these tricks and just go after you directly. So quickly escape so he actually helps him escape so unable to reach his target Saul is really pissed off so he gives the daughter that had been promised to David in marriage he hands her over in marriage to a different man and then sends out his henchmen to kill 85 priests who had helped David and to massacre all the villagers who had helped David along the way so anybody who kind of hey can I stay at your place sure no problem the whole family massacred. Hey, you know, can I have that fruit? Sure, you know, that kind of thing. So he goes on on this punishing expedition to all of the David supporters. David, annoyed with all of this, establishes his own gang of outlaws, essentially. He becomes, uh, again, if the Bible was set in modern times, David has just become the leader of a biker gang. And... He raids, does this back and forth. After much fighting, eventually David is able to convince Saul to reconcile. He's like, come on, it was all a big misunderstanding. Let's talk it over. And and, bygones be bygones. Yeah, why can't we all get along, you know, in the immortal words? <laughs> However, David is like, yeah, now that you don't want to kill, kill me anymore, I still don't think they are going to stick to your end of the bargain. So maybe... So David actually goes back to the Philistines and says, sorry about those 204 skins I chopped off from some of your friends, but we both dislike Saul, so can we band together? You know, can we be in this together? And the Philistine, you know, in the classic, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They say, sure, why not? So in the following battle, the Jewish side is defeated. Saul himself gets killed. Uh, Actually, he kills himself to escape capture. Very manly. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And um, there was some dude who said, I've killed a soul. And David is like, well, you're not a Jew. You're not one of my guys. Yeah, yeah, you're loosely allied with me, but you killed a Jewish king. Can't have that. So I'm going to kill you. Because, you know, it's classic uh, Godfather style, right? (laughs) It's like not everybody can kill the boss. It's... Even though you hate the boss. Imagine the disappointment on his face. I know. It's like, I came I up thought, with this good lie. Yeah, I was going to get a reward, all of it. No, nothing. <laughs> and the bodies of Saul and some of his sons were then hanged from the walls of a nearby city in perfect Game of Thrones style. Where's the happy part? That was the happy part. Oh! Uh, in case you you missed out on it. that's uh, It's funny because in this part the bible reads like i mean it doesn't read like it is it, there's no 
it is a mafia story. It is this kind of rival gangs fighting for power and, you know, you place a hit on the head of the enemy and then the They're boss They're going to whack you back, you know. Totally. It's, it, it's a perfect mafia story, which will continue later with uh, once David comes into power. We'll, um, we'll entitle the next one The House of David, the original mafia, <laughs> because that's kind of, that's where it's at, right? It's so, funny, I've never seen the VeggieTales version of any of this I stuff. know, this the would Goliath, be great. they show a thousand different times. Yeah, of course. But never the ten, or, 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 or Moses with his ten, fifteen, ten, ten commandments. Never the next day with the uh, uh, murder of them skins. all. Yeah. The two under four skins would make an excellent VeggieTales, I agree. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> We're going to make a wallet out of them. <laughs> so speaking of Goliath, there's a great Billy Bob Thornton show on Amazon right mm-hmm. now called Goliath, where he is one time big wig lawyer. And uh, I think the deal was he, he was a defense lawyer, got some dude off who immediately went and killed a family. So mm-hmm. he kind of falls into the drink and everything. And he's based on the, the uh, Shea J bar right there in Santa Monica. So oh, nice. that's like that hotel in him is where he mm-hmm. lives. So it's cool that that's all shot there. But it's great. Eight-parter, courtroom drama. Uh, this guy's coming back and going against the massive law firm that his name is still attached to. Oh, wow. And uh, that's a pretty good one, too. So dual Goliaths for you there. Yep, right there. <laughs> got a rant let's rant i'm gonna some names will be protected to protect the uh, guilty but uh imagine if you're a little baby eight ten weeks old and from that point forward your life for your first two years consists of being in daycare from seven in the morning till almost seven in the evening five days a week it would be nice to think that this is an exception that it doesn't happen often but the reality, let's say even the good scenario, let's say the one who oh, does not have that the for greatest. the first two years, yes. right? Who start when you are two or three or something. This is one, the one, the point you raise is one of the many, 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 many issues of where we are screwed right now as a society, as a modern world. And I don't mean it in a, I mean it in the sense of we need to figure out a better way because the way that we currently have doesn't work. You know, back in the Our day... Our priorities are completely screwed up. Yeah, completely. Because back in the day, granted, that was not a desirable situation because you had women who had to stay home. You're a woman, you're going to be a housewife. End of story. There are no choices. That's the way it is. It sucks. One of the good sides of it is like kids actually grew up with a parent, at least one who spent time with them. Now... That may have not been a good thing if your mom was a crazy bitch from hell because then he's like, please get me to daycare or get me to be at school all day. You know, yeah, if your parents suck, probably not being around them is a good thing. But assuming that your parents don't totally suck, the system we have now makes zero sense because the reality, 
And this is not a women lib kind of thing. It's not the result of that. It's the result of economics. It's the result that... You have to have back, two jobs to keep yeah, everything going. Exactly. You know, 70 years ago, 60 years ago, something like that, you could live on a one-parent income comfortably. And class. go on vacation. And, yeah. you know... Now you don't. Someone get the kids in school. Unless, you know, you have the crazy super job, the odds are high that you need both parents working. And that's the way it is. So what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is exactly as you said. Think about the average family, okay? And we're not even pushing for the crazy scenario of the people who have to work eight hours, 80 hours a week. I'm talking about 40 hours a week, nine to five, okay? Nine to six by now, usually, typically, because people have their lunch that doesn't count and all that shit. Isn't that awesome? You can yeah. sit here and not get paid. How about you just pay me for the straight eight and I get out of here an hour? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, can't do that. You got to have your rest. Let's even say nine to five, right? Eight hours. The reality, what that means is that you are out of, you know, you wake up, hey, kids, wake up, quick, breakfast, here, go, shove it down, go, get out, drop you off at school. You're at work by nine, and then you're gone till five. Depending on where you live, by the time you actually pick up your kids, it's probably at least 5.30, 6 p.m., something like that. By the time you pick them up on a school day, for younger kids especially, that means take them home. Oh, quick, oh, you stink, shower. Okay, hop off the shower. Here is food. Okay, food. Oh, let's... Don't forget your two hours of homework. Right, you got to go to sleep now. You, that means that the vast majority of people basically don't see their kids five days a week. Yep. Where you just have quick, brief uh, boss interaction when you have to get them to move quickly in order to shove them away. And then, okay, you need to go to sleep now, eat, eat wash, that kind of thing. So that means all you got is the weekend. Weekend in which, oh, we need to go grocery shopping, it's time for laundry, it's time for sport activity, whatever that is. The reality of this scenario that you paint is that people basically never see their kids. You know, actually really spending time with their kids. Kids are raised by daycares. They are raised by schools. They are raised by TV. They are raised by babysitters. They are not raised by their parents. Parents have spent minimal amount of time with kids. Well, and oddly enough, this situation has created a baby that on that Saturday when they're home is so clinging to this parents he never gets to see that it won't have anything to do with anybody else. Of course. Because this is my mom moment. Yeah. I'm not going to have it for six more days. And I just... And the mother's become so addicted to it mm -hmm. that even if she'll have a Wednesday off, she takes him to daycare anyway so she can just chillax at home. Right. It makes me furious. I'm gonna... Maybe it's because we were foolish. And... No, we weren't foolish. We were foolish because we were very young. We had our kids. Mm -hmm. But we had that option. We could either both work, but the math never worked out. The money to have her to have clothes to go to work and the yeah. daycare and all that, it just made more sense for her to stay home. And we were so lucky. Right. That. And it was just the first 10 or 11 years. I know it doesn't sound like that. Looking back, it's it doesn't lot. seem like that much. And it was a lot. But it worked out in spades. Yeah, because that's the problem is like, I don't know what the solution is because there is no easy solution. You know, it's not that you can, oh, just stay at home. Well, thanks. With what money I stay at oh, home. Oh, I you know, totally there's, understand. There's that problem. There's, so yeah, there is no clear cut solution. The problem is it's obvious that we have a problem. So while the solution is not obvious, the problem is obvious. And the fact that, I mean, think about it. Some of you guys listening, you do have kids. Some of you guys listening want to have kids at some point. 
some of all of you guys had parents, whether well, you actually you ever saw them or not. And that relationship, the fact that people really don't spend time with their family, or maybe you do, but you had to figure out some kind of out-of-the-box thinking to make it happen. Either you got really lucky that one of your parents made bank and allowed the other ones to be spend actually more time with you. But we really, I mean, it's obvious that we need to figure it out, that as a society, that as a, because there's something really, I mean, this idea that having kids means pop them out and never see them again kind of thing. Is then they're not, just an accessory. Yeah, it's, it's kind of exactly something that you can post uh, on pictures Facebook. on Facebook. And oddly as, enough, there's no shortage of that. Of course. What I'd like to see is a picture of here I am at the daycare, one, two, three, four, five in a row. Yeah. Come on. And who would hand that responsibility over? That's what I don't understand. And I'm not going to go on a millennial rant because I don't think that's the sure. issue either. Sure. But this generation of parents... Seem to be fine with it, maybe because I don't know. We were latchkey kids for a point too, but that wasn't a problem in the seventies and eighties. You went home, you could even run the toaster and feed yourself. There's this helicopter mentality that's going on right now. But then they'll happily drop them into daycare. And who the hell knows what's going on? Of in course, there? no. And it's, I mean, it sucks. There's just no way around it, right? It's a bad setup. It's a setup that's. It, it got to a point where really you barely, as individuals, you don't really know your family because you spend so little time with them. Yeah. What's even the point of having one in that Your Spanish scenario? is great. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and the reality is that the time that you do spend in daycare, school, and so on, you know, that shit you could have learned, I mean, two hours rather than eight or nine. So it's not even that you're using your time. So to me, it's like we need to, forget about bitching about the way things are. I mean, we have already done it enough. But the point is, okay, where do we go from here? No. And I think it's this is one of many elements of where we really need to reinvent the way we live life in the modern world. And I'm not making a Chris Ryan argument of, you know, let's go back to ancient tribes. A, because it's not physically possible. You know, it's just not going to work to go back to tribal living. No, but the idea of community certainly has to be reinvented. Yeah, and that's one of them. It's like you cannot have a healthy society where you have no relationship between parents and kids. That just, it's ridiculous. So there are possibilities, right? There is the fact that today there are more and more jobs that exist that you can do online where you don't have to go somewhere. So you can kind of keep an eye on your kids, be working, and then... But as we just talked about, or as we'll talk about in a yeah. minute... What does that trigger? No, there is the fact that if you do that all day, is a problem. Yeah. But if you have a sense of, hey, I'm here, I'm keeping an eye on you, play for four hours, yeah. watch a movie, whatever the fuck, but then after that, I will spend time with you, and then I can work a little more after you sleep or something, you still get your work done. Yeah. You are physically there. For most of the day, you actually give them attention. It can still work, right? And better for society as a whole. There's that. There's um, maybe you do have the awesome job that one person does and make bank and another person can stay home. Or maybe, you know, the possibility are endless there in terms of none of them are perfect and ideal, but there are things out there. But all of this has happened in such a recent past. This is also recent that we are still trying to figure out how to come to terms with it. Um, and we need to do it because the existing setup sucks. So we need to put all the dots together and figure it out in a way that, because I mean, what's otherwise really, what's the point of having kids? 
if you just so you put their pictures on Facebook and come back home and in those 20 minutes between dinner and showering them you pat them on the head and say oh my boy or something like that it's that's bullshit that's not having kids that's uh so that's where I kind of have uh, I really think there are many 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 aspects that if we're gonna have a future as a humanity we need to rethink and we need to figure out solutions raising kids is one of them uh, of course there's a relationship with the environment relationship with the food that we have like where it comes from how good it is there's the whole discussion on community there are a bunch of discussions there to be had and this is one piece on a giant puzzle of reinventing life in a world that has changed so dramatically fast that we haven't really figured out how to adapt to all the transformations that have taken place yep. in the last few decades. So I always have to do our homework to, to figure out what we're going to do about this situation. And as far as our plan for what the world's going to be in 30 years, that has definitely been tossed asunder <clears throat> over the past few weeks. Uh, so we're going to have to work harder than ever to try to figure out where we want the world to be in 30 years. Well, speaking of which, one of the big issues that to me, when looking at politics in particular, that to me number one, two, and three, and then comes everything else. But even if, uh, the funny thing is that it shouldn't even be a political issue, is the environment. You know, the problem is, it doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative, it doesn't matter if you're religious or atheist, it doesn't matter if you are, doesn't matter any of those petty human differences. If you don't have a goddamn environment that keeps you that makes life possible then all of those differences are completely meaningless there's no point you know you need to have and that to me shouldn't be the reason why i say it shouldn't be a political issue is because it's an everybody issue you know nobody likes to drink poisoned water or breathe crap in the air or all of that it should be like if there ever is one issue where everybody can agree on is making sure that we keep the system that make life possible intact. Well, we need to frack this oil out of this because we got to uh, be the number one energy producer so that we can make more. Oh, wait, it's money again. Interesting. Money. Interesting you mentioned that because actually where I was going was exactly about fracking. Um, actually, it's not, fracking is just the example. It's not about fracking as the... Um, it, since we were talking about politics last time, and I did mention already, I think Democrats are awful when it comes to environmental policies. And I think Republicans are, if at all possible, 100 times worse, which is really a contest of who can screw up things the most. But speaking of, um, check this out. This is under the file, you know, probably in the dictionary after the definition of evil. Here you have in North Carolina, good old North Carolina, you have a Republican Party in North Carolina have pushed to make it a felony for anybody to disclose what chemicals are being used in the fracking process. I wonder who wrote that law. Right. It's a felony to disclose what chemicals you put into the ground as part of the fracking process. Did they actually pass that? Uh, you know what, I... It was a while back. So I, it was like two years ago. So I need to check. I think it went through because, you know, it passed through the House. It passed through the, you know, the Congress in North Carolina passed it. I'm checking if it was in the hands of the government, the governor at the time who said he approved the bill and he would sign it. I didn't do my homework in terms of checking up where it went from there, but all the signs. Well, even to put that. it up is, is sheer madness. And this whole notion that, <laughs> that, that bill after bill is written by the corporations, handed over 
by the lobbyist to some senator who doesn't even bother to change the verbiage. It's yeah. the same exact thing that's on these people's website. Because what is the problem with just knowing what you're... We're not even saying don't frack. I mean, I would be saying... For, you know, we're just saying you kind of need to know what's in there. It's like in anything else, right? You make food, you need to list all the ingredients. Oh, no, you we make can't tell you any medicine, of the pesticides to... that we've sprayed on your apples. Right. That would be a felony as well. That idea is like taking it to a place of monstrous perversion. Let's assume even that fracking is completely safe. Okay, let's make that assumption. Let's make the assumption that none of the chemicals are in any way, shape, or form problematic. And again, these are big assumptions, but let's pretend, okay? Yeah. What the hell is wrong with knowing about them? You know, you're not. The fact that you go that far is taking it from a place where maybe under extreme circumstances you could vaguely argue rationally for a position you're taking to just basically hanging a sign around your head that say, I'm a corporate slave, I'll do whatever my masters tell me, and that's how we should do it. You're reading my sign again. Right. Well, I'm, I'm afraid you would be your financial situation may be different if yeah. that sign was hanging. You're right. The, make, make that a BMW payment much better. I mean, this to me is just monstrous. You know, how the hell do you do something like that and just live with yourself? It's mad. I mean, even if it was sriracha sauce they were pumping down there. Yeah. First of all, the people, the sriracha lovers would lose their minds over, how dare you waste our fine right. sauce? But we know this is like benzene and unbelievable... Totally. Oh, man. And that's the problem that, you know, when you do have systems that allow this, where that's okay, where that's fine, where you have, I mean, again, when you look at the Republic, again, Democrats suck. Again, let's make no mistake about it. So people always have this dual dichotomy that, oh, if you are criticizing Republicans, it's because you are a super democratic supporter or vice versa. No, I think they both suck to different degrees and on different issues. They some suck worse, some suck less. But when it comes to environmental things, against Democrats are terrible and Republicans are just straight out of hell. I mean, it's just something that some of these policies are insane. It's just complete batshit crazy insanity. Well, what about where no policy exists? Like, let's say the Dakota pipeline. Well, yeah, the whole Dakota pipeline thing, for example. Yeah, okay, let's look at that, right? So it's... Uh, you have uh, the. Um, did you ever read the Hillary Clinton statement on the Dakota Pipeline? Her, her possible maybe yeah, collection? Yeah, where she went in this long. All of this Dakota Pipeline thing, you know, the fact that you have. Um, originally, the pipeline was supposed to go through Bismarck, North Dakota. Lots of locals didn't like it too much. Governor living there didn't like it too much. So it was like, how about we put it? two miles out of the reservation instead, where if it breaks, it just messes with those guys instead. They won't mind. Exactly. It's like when the pipeline, when there will be a screw up, it will be in their water, not in mine. So it's all good. You know, you have that, which is shady as hell. You have the fact that the, the kind of police crackdown that has been going on on the pipeline is beyond insanity. Nothing like spraying people with hoses when it's 22 degrees outside. Yeah, of course. That's just madness. And that's what's funny. is like, you know, you have the sheriff declaring 
uh, we are only putting out fires. We didn't spray on anybody. And then you have every, of course, you know, what do you think? It's 1970 that you can say something like that and nobody has a video. There I haven't are, got my 16 millimeter uh, processed yet to show to everybody. There are 3,000 videos, of course, of people showing how they were directly targeting people with the water cannons and all of that. I mean, the whole thing is really ugly. I'm glad I heard that there's this group of veterans we're gonna go out to uh, North Dakota, kind of make a stand along with, it's actually 50% of the people out there are not Indians. There yes. are other guys who are going to help. In this case, there's a big contingent of veterans who are gonna go out there. Cause you know, beat the hell out of group of natives. It's old school. Yeah, who cares? The reality is most people are not gonna respond to that. You start cracking down on veterans in uniform showing up that will have, in terms of public relations, a bit of a different impact. And then again, you're going against a project that's cost billions of dollars. So I do believe the president-elect is also tied into it. In yeah, of way. course. And again, that's the difference is Clinton basically is in bed with them, but will at least play neutral, pretend to. Trump is a direct investor in the pipeline. But then again, to be totally fair about it, look at Obama. All of this shit has happened under Obama presidency. And while he goes on to say, oh, my brothers, Native Americans, and uh, we should protect, he's not doing shit. You know, he's, uh, when you look at what he actually has done about it, it's pathetic. So well, here he you did, have... He did tell the Corps of Engineers to uh, look at some alternate plans. Yeah, but I mean, it's... it's hey. That, that's the difference, right? Democrats will be like, uh, maybe we should look into it. Whereas Republicans will be unapologetic fascist about this stuff. The end result is that there's not a whole lot of difference. But of course, again, one is going toward destruction, dragging its feet. The other one is happily marching along. But the end scenario doesn't change a whole lot. And, and again, to me, I think we mentioned it in a previous episode, so I don't want to bust your balls too much about this stuff. But just to make a point... To me, the pipeline is more complicated than advertised because there is a real issue of that as long as you have a civilization built on fossil fuels, of course there are going to be pipelines and you're going to need pipelines and you're going to need to move oil from point A to point B. All of that stuff is a fact. To me, the point is not stop this pipeline that's screwing natives alone. There is that point, but it's not the only point. The point, the bigger point is you cannot fucking think that you can build the future on fossil fuels that's the bigger issue is no. we need not today not tomorrow yesterday we need to have invested a shitload of money into figuring out other way to build a future that's actually sustainable because yep. one based on fossil fuels simply isn't you know nobody's making the case that it is because there are less every single day that Every single day that you're on Earth, there's less oil than the day before. Yep. Plain and simple. And even though there may be a billion barrel you know, clutch hiding somewhere that you have to kill half the stuff that lives above it to get to it, it doesn't yeah. do any good to get it. No, the day for building more pipelines is over. Right. Take that money, buy some mirrors, buy some windmills. Yeah, we need to, I mean, that's the thing is like, do we, right, some people say that we do have the technology. I'm less optimistic than they are on this. I don't think based on what I've seen that what we currently have could replace our energy consumption with sustainable means. 
but we need to damn try, you know, that's the, whereas of course it's when you look at who's in bed with government is all oil industry, coal industry and everybody else yeah. who's, they are in bed with Democrats and they are 10 times more in bed with Republicans. And that's the, um, that's Money, the ugly scenario. Money's con in control of everything and it's all there is to it. Of course, it. of course. This is the end of the age of oil though, regardless. Yeah. One way or another, 40 years from now. Well, the problem is it would be nice for oil to go without taking down the entire civilization that we've built. That would be a sweet concept when we can replace where we can. I, I'm not making this Luddite argument, let's go back to live the way we were 10,000 years ago. But I'm saying, how can we keep the best of the lifestyle we have today without destroying the very things that make life possible in the process? And I'm not even talking global. I mean, yeah, there is global warming, of course, but I'm not even talking about that, just plain pollution. Even if you forget about global warming, just poisoned water, poisoned air, all of that stuff. I don't know how people don't get the notion that we live in a big aquarium. Yeah. And we shit in our own aquarium yep. constantly. Yep. If you take like a like one of those big three-foot globes that are in a library, mm -hmm. the lacquer that covers the globe is thicker than the atmosphere. Right. Yet, endlessly, every day, you know, especially drive down, I bet you're your way to... Uh, Long Beach, more than a thousand smokestacks billowing just garbage and shit day and night. And somehow we have this illusion that it's going to go somewhere else. No. It goes into you. That's where it goes. Yeah. It goes all straight into you. That's where it's at. There was but some good news about tuna in the northeast recently that the whatever they've done to reduce the mercury hmm. is actually showing up in the fish right now. That's weird. No. no, and in fact, I'm not, uh, it's all gloom and doom. I think there are things that are happening that are good. But the problem is that as long as you have a system where money talks, where that's the only thing that counts is short-term profit, the options for these changes to take place are are small, are really small because it's, and yet it needs to be a priority. You know, that's kind of where to me is that, like earlier we are talking about raising kids, this seems completely unrelated to talking about oil or pipelines or stuff. Well, they got to have somewhere to live. Well, it's all part of how do we figure out a word? How do we, please pronounce that world? Thank you. Uh, how do we figure out a way of life here and now that is healthy from how we raise our kids? to the relationship we have the environment and natural resources. And benefits to... everyone. Exactly, exactly. That's it's where not the problem a, is. It's not trying to screw everybody over somebody. No. It's just, it's really just figuring out how can we have a good life. It's as simple as that. That's, if I have a political agenda, that's my entire political agenda, is how the hell can we have a good life? I don't, I'm not attached to any ideology. I don't care about one political persuasion or another. The only thing I care about is how do we end up having a good life for the vast majority of human beings. So it's plain and simple. If you can figure it, if you can show me that your way works, I'm down. I have no skin in the game in terms of any attachment to we need to do it this way. You know what we need to do it? The one way we need to do it is the one that actually works. That's this one's the one not working. That, no. hundred people with a giant pile of platinum is not working at all. Nope, nope, nope. And I'm sure, well, if you had your pile of platinum, your story would change, friend. I'm never going to be able to gather it. I mean, you know, like we said a couple episodes back, where do you start? I mean, the first step is make sure everybody has some clean water mm -hmm. and some food. Yep. 
No one should starve on this planet. Yep, yep, Yet yep. still, because some shitty government somewhere will be like, we'll feed the North Korea. You said North Korea food. The only people getting fed are the soldiers. Well, let's look at that, for example. So what are the themes of building a better world? Yep. Where do you start? To me, I'm kind of just running with it. It's not like I made a list right now. I'm just going on top of my head. But to me, some key things are... Of course, natural resources, you know, a system that allows you to survive. Yep. Relation connected with that is the relationship with the food you eat. You know, it's kind of monstrous that we have evolved into a world in which the majority of people have no connection with the food they they ingest. It's all coming from some store somewhere. You didn't grow it. You didn't raise it. Yep. There's zero connection with it. That's unlike what has happened for 99.9% .9 of human history, and, and it's not a healthy switch. And what you lose track of is that moment you spend getting your garden going, there's nothing better. Hell, I was making a salad the other day, and I was able to go get a green pepper, mm -hmm. some scallions, and some tomatoes out of my own backyard. Yep. There's nothing better than that feeling. So figuring that out, how can we go to a place where I'm not saying don't live in cities, I'm not saying don't live in, you know, we, how can we have modern technology and a modern way of life when at the same time we have a decent relationship with the food we raise, where it grows in your back, you know, where we have more of that, more local ra food raised by people. Not all of it. I'm not saying you can't have your mango when you want it if you live across the globe, but I'm seeing a good chunk of it at least. Well, one interesting notion is it seems like every single strip mall in the country has a giant Halloween store in it now because the blockbusters all went away. Nothing ever filled those sure. holes. Retail, if you need some retail space, man, you can get a deal right now. Well, why don't we put indoor community, hydroponic community gardens in there? There's that. To teach people. Because along with feeding people and fixing the environment, I love everything you said is uh, Bernie's still out preaching. Why are we yelling and quabbling about seeing Hamilton and no one's saying anything about climate change? Mm -hmm. No one's saying anything about inequality. The important things that help people out. But education. You're about to have a, a, somebody, the head of the ed, uh, Department of Education, that never even been to a public school before. That's another one, right? Education. The fact that, as we were saying earlier in terms of raising, you know, it's connected to the raising kids issue yep. that we brought up earlier, but also in terms of education itself. The fact that we have a system where the reality is that we send kids to... Get ready to go to prison. Kind of. It's sort of this detention center where you spend X amount of hours a day, where if it was really about learning, the reality is that you could get that done in a fraction of the time. Yep. Um, that's not working very well. The alternatives are not working very well either because it's not that instead, oh, public school sucks because private schools are great. No, they are terrible. You know, there are different degrees of crap, but they are. So to me, it's like, okay, let's reinvent that. You know, the formative year of kid people's life, how do we get it in a way that's. Because the current system does not work when it comes to environment, doesn't work in terms of family relationship, doesn't work in terms of the food we consume, doesn't work in terms of schooling. Economics are a wreck. The doesn't work in terms of community, right? Yes. You know, the idea that for the entire time we've been human, we've lived in close-knit community, in tribes, in villages, in small towns. And again, I like the fact that we are not forced to live that way. You know, there's something healthy about, I don't want to be surrounded by the uh, thousand assholes who are next to me. I don't like, I would like to have the option to move away if I want to. I would like to have the option to be exposed to other cultural influences. But still, 
there's also the good side. There's the idea of living close to people you like, being part of a close-knit community, all of that kind of stuff is something we need. You know, it's something that plain and simple. So figuring that out, which how do you do it without going off in some communes in the country? You know, how can you do it in a city? How can you do it where you can have uh, kind of villages within a city where you have like-minded people who like each other, who are friends, who get to live next to each other, get to share the responsibility for, oh, you are at work all day, so-and-so, your friend can watch your kids, or that kind of thing. You well, know? you group together like that, and then Saul can come over and wipe you all out at once. So <laughs> There's that, right? <laughs> to me, it's like there are, and we can go down the list, there's a thousand different things on which the current system does not work. And we need to figure out better ones. Oh yeah, you don't have. I had no. Me neither. I had no uh, no food, so I'm just like. Mm. Is it good? And you can so taste the vanilla, though, can't you? Totally. Do you see how dark it was? Yeah, it's been six months. Beautiful. So this is Bella moment, but real quick, just so everybody knows, we're lit today thanks to we our are. friends at, at the Steelgrass Farms sent me uh, a sample of some of their goods, including their incredible vanilla beans that they grow there in Kauai. Oh, I think it's time for me to go visit these fellas. Steelgrass, it worked out perfectly. We poured two incredible, we're going to call them Hawaiian Russians, and uh, with almond uh, milk instead of the dairy. And uh, I've only had half of mine. I'm pretty drunk. But the vanilla has flavored the vodka in such a beautiful way. You can almost taste the Hawaiian sunshine oozing out of it. I know. Today is truly drunken Taoist, I guess. It's about time. We've been talking about that for a long time. Yeah, we haven't done that in forever, but... It's before lunch here, so we have very little food in our stomach, and the blood alcohol content may have gone up a little too fast. It's going to be a very special episode. It's all good. Isabella, moment. Isabella, moment. So let's, um, what can I tell you? Well, besides Isabella just doing crazy things with my hair, which, you know, you think, uh, what what could possibly go wrong with a... Look at my lovely fingernail. My daughter was in town for Thanksgiving, so we... And your daughter is now 21. Yes. Interesting. Never changes. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. yeah I had like some, uh, uh, can I do something with your hair? And of course, all hell break loose after that, but good times. Um, one thing that was actually fun that has been an ongoing ritual for the last year, because um, anytime when I just can't take it anymore and I'm just losing it, I head out to Big Bear and Big Bear is a, medicinal quality on me it's just being in nature seeing the woods seeing seasons where you are because you know in LA there are no seasons it's always the same stuff 365 days a year kind did of thing. you get any snow up there with this no yet it actually snowed right after I left but at least some rain up there oh yeah yeah rain and green and it's beautiful right that, well to a point in the sense that the drought as much as up there there's so much more rain than there is here yeah Every single time I go, the lake is probably three feet lower. It's ridiculous. It's it, it's literally drying up before my eyes to a level that's kind of scary. So yeah, on that that's not the happy part. But going to a happier side of this story, 
Um, one thing that Isabella wants to do that I enjoy deeply is the fact that when she first wake up in the morning, the first thing she wants to do is drag me out of bed, of course, because I need to wake up too, and then uh, <laughs> head out where in winter when it gets cold, we bring a blanket, we go right in front of the fireplace, start the fireplace, and then breakfast means eating something right there, cuddled up under the blanket next to the fireplace while I tell her random Conan stories or whatever else. Stories, doesn't matter which ones. Any, So it's storytelling by the fire first thing in the morning is our, is our ritual when we're up there. I like it. There's something really, really cool about it. And she just goes crazy for it. She's like, can we do again the fireplace and the blanket? I'm like, yeah, 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 we, definitely. Well, fireplaces are magic anyway. There's just something they awesome are. about the crackle of the flames. I'm sure it goes back to our DNA from... Totally. I mean, telling stories by the fire is what humans have been doing, you know, before internet, before TV, before books, before anything. That's what we've been doing forever. So it's... Uh, and it's kind of funny because sometimes I start, you know, she'll be like, tell me a story. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell to tell you. So I'll start and just see where my head takes me. And it's pretty interesting, the stuff. The kind of stories I come up with tend to be, I've been having a good time. I, so that has been fun. <sighs> Fireside stories. That's excellent. So I dig that one. Now, other thing, I don't remember, you know, we're talking right now you and I going back and forth trying to figure out if we did mention this on the podcast before or if I just mentioned it to you on the sly. If we did mention it on the podcast, please indulge me to jump into it a second round. I actually don't think we did, but just in case. Yeah, I think we just chatted about it amongst we, ourselves. We, yeah, that may be the case, but it's also, I feel it's important. So I wouldn't mind even doing it twice if that was the case. There was, I was chatting with Iz one day and she was talking about how, you know, she really likes to be her grandma house, even though her grandma is really busy and can't really spend that much time with her and all of that. But there was, and then she was saying now, basically the message she was giving is nobody ever plays with me. And I'm like, what? I was like, what do you mean? I play with you. I play with you a lot. She's like, yeah, you play with me but you always have the computer on at the same time. You know, you're playing with me and you're answering an email. You're playing with me and you're checking what's going on on this. And playing with... That's, and again, she was being nice about it, but she's like, that's kind of not really playing with me. Oh. You know, it's like, that's <laughs> different. That's not... Uh, you're not really there. You know, you're not really paying attention. You're paying attention with a third of your brain kind of message. And I was like... And when she said that, I was like, oh, shit, she's so right. You know, she's so damn right. Because this gig where we are constantly interconnected to everything and there's always, uh, oh, what did so-and-so post? Or what did, I got a new message, I got a new email, I got... Or Lord forbid you get one that gets you all fired up. And it's like, oh. Yeah, and you're like, okay, job. baby, yeah, yeah, that's great. I have to go Keep playing with fire that, at this you know, asshole real quick. Let me reply to these and you get in this. And it's like... What the fuck am I doing? Why do I even care? On again, some of it is good. Okay, some of it there's stuff that I think being in an interconnected world is a good thing to some degree. To some degree, being the keywords, you know, it's not twenty four seven. The moment you spend, like I used to have Facebook or Twitter open all day long, where mm -hmm. you see things in real time as they pop up. I don't find that a desirable thing. 
I think there's something. So I'm trying to go on a internet diet where I will check. I'm trying to shoot for three times a day. I'm miserably failing because I check it way more than that. But I'm, the goal is don't have it open all day long. Don't be checking it all day long because then you're never really there. You know, I'm playing, but I'm not playing. I'm here, but I'm not here. You know, I'm constantly doing six things at once. And that's bullshit. That's just complete bullshit because, again, seeing it through the eyes of a seven-year-old girl really show me where it's like, yeah, I'm not really being there, and she is right. I'm, and that's not the right way to raise a kid for me to be... I'm kind of there, but not really, you know? And the same thing applies to everything else, too. I mean, in her case, because she's more important to me than anything else, but but other stuff, too, is like, it's not really right to be constantly with your attention split in so many directions. And so I'm not saying... I'm not this Luddite who say screw it, no internet, no social media, they are bad for you. No, there's great stuff that comes from it, okay? But in small dosages, you know, a little at a time. Check it fucking in the morning after lunch and at night. That's great. That's enough. You know, you got all the messages you need. You see all the things you need to see. You don't need to spend uh, three quarters of your day with your at least one eye glued to what's going on on the net. That's... So Isn't trying. it amazing how much it's changed in 30 years? It is. I mean, I mean I, it's almost like FedEx introduced this sort of notion of now everything has to be overnight. And now you yeah. have this capacity. You've ramped yourself up that much further. Like the 70s, people weren't that concerned. And I mean, some of it is great. Some right? of it, but is it, is it actually great? I mean, think about now that you've got, let's just talk about our favorite friends, the fascists. They're emboldened because connections that they get from people across the country Sure. Embolden them. But then again... When, when you're just in your little community, community right. and there's three of you assholes hanging out together, getting drunk, dreaming what the world could be, now that they can find each other everywhere, I don't know if that's such a great thing. Well, but... Most, I'm just showing the, the, the bad side of it. Most I mean, changes are changes that go in both directions at the same time. Yeah. It always you know, cuts you, both ways. Yeah. You introduce TV, you introduce internet, you introduce... There are awesome opportunities and great things that come out from it and of course there are things that are problematic and and i mean when you think about how long we've been doing this the fact that 70 years ago there was no tv yeah and then we got tv vcr dvds internet all of it that means i love all of it right i mean all of these are give you great opportunities but at the same time we haven't really figured out how to live with these new technologies this is all an experiment that all happened within a single person's lifetime. Oh, you yeah. know, somebody who was born in 1940, 76 years old today, would have seen it all. Would have seen, would have grown up with no TV and then gone through everything. And again, I'm not saying that none of these are bad things. These are some of them that can give you amazing, there are some big positives that come out from it, you know. But we need to learn how to use them so that we use the technology rather than the technology using us. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's something where we get to play with this stuff and we're not just... And I think it's a trial and error thing and it is a short time that we have been at it. So it's a process of learning it. I clearly haven't learned it in my life. Like the way I'm using the internet is obviously, as my daughter reminds me, not a healthy way. So... I need to, I'm, I'm trying this internet diet, you know, just you use it, use it every day, use it multiple times a day. You don't use it all day. That's a different thing. 
We had some friends that had a Halloween party, and your admittance was your cell phones had to go in the back. <laughs> I see. You know, I see the point. We'll be taking pictures with a real camera later, mm-hmm. so don't worry about that. But, and if you can't do it, I'm certain there's somebody who couldn't do it. Yeah. It's just the notion where <clears throat> to be always connected. Yep. Back in the 70s, even the 80s, bad news would have to wait 20 minutes. Good news would have to wait 20 minutes. You'd have to make your way home. You didn't have this goddamn thing next to you the whole time. And in emergency situations, surely it's a grand thing yeah, if your car breaks is. down or something like that. It is. But, man, plus, you know, the government's always pointing their death ray at you. Yeah, that doesn't help. But, yeah, even that is like, you know, I'll go for a hike in Big Bear. There's no reception. So yes. you're going to be completely gone from it all. And it actually feels good for a while. That's why I like Cambria so much. It's the yeah. same thing. They don't have towers everywhere. And there's yeah. literally no reception. And again, I love internet. I love having it. I love uh, being able to watch movies whenever I want. I love having, you know, all of that is good stuff. So I'm not saying it's bad. It's overdoing it is bad. It's like anything else, you know. If you do anything in too much, then you start paying a price. There's a sweet spot there where you get the good stuff of it without the bad stuff, and that's what we're shooting for. We had a great moment over the Thanksgiving um because all the kids were home for a minute mm-hmm. and for a grand couple of hours the three of them sat together just like they did when they were you know three five and seven playing some silly video game and giggling and having a good time and i definitely captured that with my evil camera phone <laughs> no and in fact that's why i'm saying i'm not but that, making you know a... those are things <clears throat> that probably won't happen too many more times sure and that's just amazing to see it now mm-hmm. they're all scruffy and, and bearded and, and grown up but right they're still there. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, seeing it through the eyes of a kid wakes you up to it. Hell yeah. Where you're like, oh shit, she's right, and I'm an asshole. You well, know? And when my kids were little, we had our Mac Performa 5250, which was like 38 grand. And if we'd, right. bought, if we'd paid that for, as uh, Apple stock instead of mm-hmm. buying a computer, we'd have a quarter million dollars. Right. But I didn't need Apple stock at the time. I needed a computer to hook up to this new internet thing that was all the rage back then. And they had all these little games, Sammy's Science House. We were so delighted with ourselves. Right. To get, Look at these little kids, man. They're clicking on it and they're learning weather and all. Oh, it's awesome. But now when I see a three-year-old at the store with its mom's iPad, just... Yeah, again. I wonder. Yeah, there's a time and place for everything. And it's like anything else. It's good Taoism, right? Too little, no good. Too much, not good. There is a sweet spot. Search for it, find it. That's where the health is. Um, That's the gig right there. Punto. And now comes the point where we reach deep into the digital mailbag to find another query from our friendly listeners. Who do we have this week? Let's start with James Anderson. Let's, let me try to just read it rather than paraphrase quickly. Mr. Anderson. We got some time on the podcast. You answer reader questions, most of, often about martial arts or personal issues. I have a different sort of question for you. Um... I'm wondering what advice you would offer to the new author selling a book and trying to generate publicity and sales. I'm a mostly retired artist and graphic designer. I've put together a collection of my stuff, mostly cartoons and editorial illustration from the print media in the Denver Boulder area in the 70s and 80s. Um, sold a few books through Amazon.com. Mm, 
basically the idea is how do you as an artist in this case you know whether books or whether in other form how do you get people to know what you're doing how do you for all the people who are actually trying to do some kind of creative alternative things out there um, I, I, as I'm reading this, I got a shiver of panic of like, how the hell am I going to answer that question? I can't wait to find That's... out myself because if you have that answer, we should bottle that shit and sell well, that. You know, I can't wait to find out either. So me let's too. see what words are going to come out of my mouth because I really don't know right now. So let me think about it. Huh. <laughs> well, well, as an artist, I mean, if we're talking like visual. Well, it doesn't have to be. Okay, let's say visual, let's say books, let's say you're a musician, let's say any of those, because ultimately many of the techniques are the same. Well, you go get yourself booked on the Today Show, yeah. send Matt Lauer a free copy, let Oprah gush about it, and you're done. Yeah, if you could do that, yes, you're done. Problem is, most people are not going to work that way. Oh. So how do you do it? Now, of course, social media allows you to do things that you couldn't do just a few years ago you know not so long ago you had to go through the big publishing company to the big recording label to all of that stuff and today you can but again just because you can you know there are i'm sure three gazillion good videos out there who don't become viral videos on youtube there are some amazing artists who's nobody's gonna know their art even exists or their books are out there and i'm kind of looking at it because i see that like savannah for example that's kind of what she's working with and I'm interested to see the struggles that she deals with. You know, how do you, in which directions do you take it? How do you get interest? Of course, there really is no shortcut. You know, there is no bullshit about it. There is no shortcut. What I've done for me, um, I can't say is an example of great success. Because when I look at it, I mean, yeah, I've done four books. Yeah, they've kind of sold out, right? They are not exactly smashing successes. I get, um, they're doing well enough, but, and, you know, keep in mind that in this, I've had, I ended up on Joe Rogan's podcast, what, eight times, nine times, something ridiculous like that, with three gazillion people listening, and along with Rogan, then Adam Carolla, or Duncan Trussell, or big podcast, right, where yeah. my name has been exposed to a hell of a lot of people. The podcast, this one, Drunken Taoist, is successful. History on fire, even more so. So technically speaking, I'm in the model of the guy who has quote unquote made it, right? What I've done is so success and the reality is though when you put it in dollar and cents, no, it's not, you know. So if my level of the game, which is considered high by normal standards, is actually low in reality, that tells you that there's no bullshit about it. This is a very there's a tiny door to go through. And that zillion people pushing through around that door to get inside. Well, and he's already done the hardest thing. He's executed on the creation. Yeah, and again, let's assume... After that, luck is so much a part of success. But, okay, if we want to just not bitch at the way things are, because you're right. I mean, luck is one of the key elements. But, okay, what can actually, what can you do? I think social media is key. So try to get, and social media, not only put your tweet out there or your Facebook post out there, because if you have five people looking at your stuff, that's still not going to help you. Even if they all tell one friend, that's not going to help you. Get into groups, 
that are about related topics so that when people know you and suddenly you have the hey i've done this thing you don't go in just to pitch your stuff because nobody want to listen to you but if you do become part of the online community to one degree or another and people remember you they like you they they start building a relationship with you then when you have when you have something that you're putting out there there's going to be automatically more interest there's going to be actually people who are like oh that's interesting. I want to check it out. You know, oh, so and so did it. I know that guy. You don't really know him, but you know, you have seen the name pop up enough time in the group that you're like, I care enough to find out. You know, that's a start. Of course, things like podcasts, figuring out how to, it really is a gig of how to get your name out there, how to let people know that you exist, that your work exists, so that they will click, take a look, and decide whether it's worth their time or not. We struggle with it, you know, and again, we struggle with it from the point of view of doing well, comparatively speaking, because compared to mod, most podcasts, we are way up high. In reality, we're not that way, way up high. Um, so it's, it is a tricky game. There's no argument about it, but I really think that those are the ways to do it. You know, social media, groups, the more the more people you know for different reasons, whether it's because you are part of a martial arts school and then those guys will be like, oh, I'll check out so-and-so or because they know you personally. Half of them are lying. True, but half of them are not. <laughs> That's a good start. No, I just meant you know? it can really be a tough climb. I mean, it is anything like that. To get that notice, to get that hook, and I guess you have to have a realistic measure of success too. Yeah. You can't just be saying, oh, this is, I'm going to sell 15 million of these. No. That's why you need to, in some way, you need to have your hands in like 17 different things at once, which obviously takes time. That's the struggle. So that a little from this one, a little from that one, it all adds up. One thing is probably not going to do it. Again, if it does, good for you. You know, you write the next Harry Potter thing. That, But even that, you know, gets rejected by, what, 50 publishing company before you hit luck. There is a huge luck element. The yep. way you maximize it is by figuring out how to talk to more human beings, how to be part of more groups, how to be part of more communities. Because when you do have something to show at that point, it will resonate with more people. Look at like Savannah stuff, for example. She's trying to figure out, and I mean, she's really young, so she has time to figure it out, but she's trying to figure out how to make it essential as an artist, which good fucking luck. That's not an easy thing. Specifically an illustrator, primarily. Part of it is technical, you know, the better and better you get, of course, your work is going to get. But part of it is also get your stuff to be known. Now, check this out, how weird this work. So... She put up her stuff on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Sometimes I retweet it or something. And she got, you know, a little attention. Better than nothing. Suddenly she created this Facebook page that was, yes, about her art, but also about her fighting. Kind of mixing the fighting, I'm going to do my MMA debut, all of that, along with the art. She got... 10 times more attention than when she was doing something that was only about MMA or only about art. The fact that suddenly you have these people who go in for the MMA angle are like, oh, you actually draw? Oh, I like that art. That's pretty cool. I actually am going to buy one of your t-shirts or something like that, right? The one who come in from the art as the, no way, that's badass. You're fighting, you're these pictures. That's kind of cool. And 
So suddenly, rather than having one thing you're going for, sometimes having two makes it easier. Cross-promotion. Because exactly, they feed off each other. They, you have a book and a podcast. You have uh, things like that. It, it tends to help a lot. Speaking of which, um, Savannah just got sponsored by these guys at fightchicks.com. It's an um, apparel company that... Um, promotes women MMA and combat sports for women and so on and so they um, they are printing some of Savannah's own t-shirts she's gonna design a few new ones so that should be fun there's uh, one to happen already yeah there's one that she wants to do that um, way back when we did a story time on Tomoe Godzen was that uh, Japanese samurai lady yes was pretty badass she's a toilet murderer no, no, that was the other one. That was the dwarf ninja brother. Oh, who was, uh, oh this was the one. She, no. she, she would kick all the guys' ass and couldn't even find a good husband. Uh, because... uh, uh, she was, uh, she's awesome. I like her. And uh, Savannah is doing a Tomoe Godzen t-shirt. That we are. There was a question there. Do we want her on horseback or do you want the one where the beheaded enemy, of course? You can imagine what my answer was. It wasn't horseback. Well, it actually... Of course, I start with the beheaded enemy, but actually I was thinking, how about both? Let's have her on a horse with the head of the... In any case. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. That's an example where, does that mean that overnight Savannah became a success? No, it's not. It's a tiny step in a series where you have to make 7,000 steps for it to actually mean something. But it's one step. It's something. And in this case, having two things going for her help quite a bit. So... And think of all the little books we've received in four years of people trying. You know, that's, that impresses me the most. You really made it to the finish line. Mm -hmm. You produced something that 90%, probably more than that, 95% of the world will never even reach that. Yeah, level. yeah of course. So you got to take some pride in that initially. Yep. And if 10 million people don't see it, it sure is often, it's awesome that, ten, that a thousand people see it. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is that being realistic about what success means. There's that side, too, that's important that we need to consider. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, because it was too funny. I told you before we started recording, but... Um, so, someone like two months ago or something, she had a boxing smoker where she fought in this... And it turns out that her opponent, Kathleen, was a listener of her podcast, didn't know it. And so afterwards, like, check that out. I've heard actually about you through the podcast before. And then I ended up fighting you. That's hilarious. Wow. That's so, so I like that. The, that's a case of small world after all type of thing. It truly is. Don't think, sing the whole thing, though. You owe the Sherman Brothers a nickel. Be yeah, careful of that. I see. Yeah. But, um, but well... Hello to Kathleen. Thank you for being a listener. Much appreciated. And good fight with Savannah. That was pretty badass. Yeah. So on that note, we have more... Because we're drunk today, we're going really long on all our speeches, rants, and things. So I'll keep... We have Aaron Burcham and Hattie Antic. I'll keep for probably the next episode. But we have... We will get to you guys, promise. Just not right now. <laughs> All right, everybody, story time. Something incredible this week. Is it a hero? Heroine? Is there bloodshed? Um, it's a disturbing uh, mystery. Ooh. 
do tell. And we don't have the answer, of course. Oh. But the the teasing of the mystery will be fun enough. I'm talking about the Yatlov Passy incident. We're talking about 1959 Ural Mountains, former Soviet Union. And it all starts with a group of students, like all good horror movies begin, with a group of students in the wilderness, and this fits the pattern. They are all from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, and they decide to go for a happy ski trek through the mountains for a few days. Sound like fun. Eight men, two women, they're all going off having this... Not. No, but there's that. But oh, maybe that does nothing to do with what happens. We don't know that. But so the goal was to um, go to this mountain, you know, this multi-day ski track. All, they were all experienced in long ski tours, mountain expeditions. So, you know, it's not the kind of thing that anybody can do, but these guys have it together. They know what they are doing. So all sound great, right? Well, all sound great, except that one guy actually gets lucky because he gets sick and has to turn around. And again, like in all horror movies, it always happens. So the guy will cheats that by, by a tiny accident. It is what happens, though. So days go by and the one guy who turned around realized, hey, they should have been back by now. What just happened? You know, they, my nine friends haven't made it back. So off they go with a search party to see what happens. And after some searching, they do find, well, nothing good. They find their tent that had been, was basically trashed. It looks like the tent had been cut from inside and everybody else, everybody had left in a real hurry because there were tracks in the snow from these other nine students, some of them barefoot, some of them with only socks on. They had clearly left in a hell of a hurry. They were not exactly well prepared to just, let's go for a night hike in the snow. That did not pan out well. They were fleeing something really fast with nearly no clothing on, cutting their own tent open to escape, whatever it was. That's not good news. That's usually not good news. It's not good news that they eventually find some... Um, they find the first bodies. They are going to find about five of them. And they all look... They are all very poorly dressed. They look like they just got up in the middle of the night and ran off without really even bothering to grab their heavy clothing or any of them. And from the look of them, these first five have all died of hypothermia. Surprise, surprise. You know, you go for a run with no clothes on unless you are Wim Hof. Yeah, you probably will die of uh, hypothermia. Given you know, I've enough been time. in a tent with a particularly rancid fart. <laughs> to open. cut it open and run. Yeah, yeah that, I think the guy had eaten clams for three days. I think you may have solved our mystery. I think that might be that simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a problem with the other four, that it takes a lot longer to find the other four bodies. They eventually find them further away. They found all of them. Yeah, they found all of them. The other four are also gone. 
but unlike the first five who all look like hypothermia, which raises the question, why the hell did they do it? You know, because why did they run off with nearly no clothing in the middle of the night? But um, then there's the question of the other four. The other four have major injuries. Uh, one is a skull cracked, others have their chest fractured, and the doctor examining say that this is like, this is not something that a human could cause. This is something like a car crash. You know, the extent of the injury is so hard so and so heavy. It's not like a sledgehammer. It's like a massive... Yeah, some pretty heavy thing that is like some... There was the fourth one. Uh, one of the women was found. No major external injuries, but she was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips. Now, some people say that may not mean nothing because she was found laying face down in a small stream, so it may just be putrefaction that kind of removed. It could just be animals coming up and kind of eating the soft parts of a Delicious. corpse. Of course, there's also that. So that raises the obvious question, what the hell happened? You know, what was... There was initially the speculation that some indigenous people from the area may have attacked them and killed them for getting into their lands. But there really were no tracks suggesting that. The only tracks you saw were the ones of these guys fleeing their tent. So what did happen? Well, again, the theory that other humans may have done it, the doctor said no. The force of the blows was too strong. Um, this was not another human who killed the... the at least who didn't kill the, th the three that we are sure they were killed by some kind of traumatic events. The other ones were clearly fleeing and died of hypothermia. But the ones that died of some traumatic event, according to the doctor, no human could have done it. And yetis normally like to eat intestines. So. Well, there is, among the various theory, there is the yeti theory, of course. Um, specifically, this focused on uh, the idea that um, some inhumanly strong creature could have pulled it off, uh, or the fact that the one of the that one woman was missing the tongue and some of it. Um unlikely because again no tracks were found of anything else in the area that would have suggested that that seems there is an interesting one though that has suggested the yeti theory to give it a little bit one of the hikers in his diaries days before had written the snowman exists that's a good one well didn't write any more about it didn't say why he wrote that thing in his diary but that's interesting right there saying, you know, the guy was talking about the existence of Yetis shortly before his death. He must have been a were-Yeti, so when the moon came up. Right. That was my Yeti sound, by the way. That was a very good Yeti sound. But, you know, so there's that. That's one issue. There's another interesting, that's another interesting one, is that they found some pretty high doses of radioactive contamination on the clothes of some of the victims. Okay, then. What's going on with that? The, um, but just their clothes. Yeah. So what is going on? One of them, the um, later they say that some of them, it looked like their skin had changed color dramatically. Again, that could be just uh, bodies were found long after the fact, but who knows. There were, there was a group of hikers, um, a maybe 30, 40 miles away from the area, they reported they saw in the sky these strange orange spheres in the night now in the direction of... Uh, and 
So, okay. And this was just reported by many different witnesses. So, including the military and meteorology service and stuff. So, okay. That's, that's something interesting. Well, my vote's on aliens. Well, there is that, right? There, there is actually an interesting one because one of the, um, one of the police officers who investigated is a gray stated that he had no idea what happened he has no explanation you know he does, he can't figure it out he did say that he and some of his men had also seen these flying things in the sky but he was told by higher ranking officials to dismiss the claim and just just don't talk about that that's always is, the trail you should go on once you hear that yeah that's always a good one right so there's that. It's a felony to talk about that concept, sir. Right. Along with disclosing uh, chemicals in fracking. There's um, one of the theories is an avalanche. These guys figure out snow was coming down heavy. An avalanche was possible. They all ran away to escape. Uh, it would make sense, except that there was no sign that an avalanche had taken place. So that kind of kills it. Um, there was really no weather condition that would suggest that that would have taken place analysis of the terrain and the slope that even had there been the trajectory would have bypassed the tent so it, while the avalanche is a sweet concept um it doesn't make sense and why would you cut your tent open well i mean maybe to flee if you get the feeling that again shady but there's that the zipper stuck quick yeah cut the tent open i know that's pretty this weird. fart is gonna kill us all <laughs> There's one of the interesting ones that to me is pretty damn likely is military test. You know, they figure this is an area where nobody goes. It's just complete empty area. And the fact that maybe the military was trying to test stuff, specifically the suggestion is parachute mines, like they were dropping things like that would explode. Maybe these guys heard them, they freaked out, off they go running. Um, and some of them get hit by one of these things that crack their sternum. You know, who knows? That's one of the theories. Not exactly... Could it explain the glowing orbs, orbs in the sky that people had seen? Could it explain the injuries? Some people say yes, some people say not so much. Who knows? But in any case, that's one of the theories. Um, other than that, they're really, yeah, other than, I don't want to say it's aliens, but it's aliens, there really is not a whole lot to explain it. And that has remained as one of these enduring uh, mysteries that, of course, have caught popular imagination. They have shown up in movies and things like that because it's so damn weird and nobody has a clue of what really, truly happened in this thing. Cue the X-Files music. Yep, that's where uh, X-Files kicks in and... That's why we're fascinated with this kind of story, because wow. the mystery teases us, and yet we cannot possibly know. Maybe it always seems to be like the magician's trick, though. When you find out the trick, it's like, oh, that was it? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's it more... was a fart. Right. Who would have dreamed? <laughs> the people with the chest injuries were actually right behind the ass, and it oh, hit them. <laughs> with the superhuman... So the first ones cut their way out quickly. They were kind of dazed from the strike. Managed to... Uh, Crawl their way out secondarily into the snow, make it further past the hypothermia victims. And uh, well, I won't mention names. I won't say who was the author of such things who prompted these debates. But Isabella was uh, like we had this ongoing uh, fart discussion, being trapped in a cart. So uh, the defense stated it's not a fart; it's art. 
but the on another side Isabella came out with you know I do believe that once there was God but after this fart that's what killed him George <laughs> 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 Carlin just say I've heard of a fart that ended a marriage <laughs> right there's uh, there was another one that stated you know there there used to be no death but that was invented to spare the victims of this fart to suffer from suffering any further. So, so yeah, we're we're having we a good time. Deeply, yeah, <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> episode the 100th episode now technically it's like 104 because there were four bonus episodes yeah. but this really like release wise is the 100th episode so over four years ago four years and a couple months um we started and it was going to be about life and i think we've nailed that pretty solidly with a lot of great interviews um it will be fun as we do sort of pour through the old ones just to sort of catalog things and, and get a good list of who was there and what was said, but... Um, yeah, isn't that funny that you could probably now spend, uh, what, maybe 200, 200 some hours of material, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 hours already, that you could listen to back to back to back for 10 days straight without ever stopping, and uh, that's a lot of material. I don't want to give ideas to people running Guantanamo to how to torture prisoners, oh, wow, but that would that be an interesting like one. Twenty four seven drunken Taoist for ten days. That would um, that would do it. We create something. Yeah, maybe you could uh, put it in daycare centers. Right, that would help. The, um, let's say thank you to a few people. Okay, let the pottering begin. A few names for donations today. Let's get going with those guys. Um, here we go. Sorry, I'm pulling them up. Okay. We have Samuel McNichol, Leonard Rucker, David Peterson, Ryan Thomas, Matt Chebre, and Adam Wozneski. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and, as always. And since we're saying some thank you, thank you also to the man across the table from me, Mr. Rich Evers, and the man who's floating in the ether somewhere helping us Evan Culver who's without whose help we would be stuck in lim in internet limbo and he makes it happen for us regularly thank you Rich thank you Evan that's always good stuff well it's definitely been fun Daniele I appreciate it it's funny uh, we were talking about too much looking at the internet but the being at the Facebook at the right moment is what started all this in the first place I know <laughs> can't, can't too much I suppose so scratch everything we said yeah, make sure you're on Facebook 24-7 yeah, you don't want to miss case. a call yeah yeah that's right <laughs> let's scratch delete I tell you um, what's really exciting is the Kiva is at $65,000 in loans from awesome, our man. fellow Team Drunken Taoist. So it's funny, uh, you know, originally I thought, well, maybe we'd get $10,000. that would be incredible. Mm. But now, by this time next year, it'll be well over $100,000. It's that, crazy stuff. That's some success, you know. We may not have, you know, raked it in ourselves, but to have done $100,000 worth of help to other people in the world... Just by, oh shit, recommending to people. That's well, very, very good. It excites me. Definitely. And I'm really proud of everybody that's joined in and helped out because I think they get the same feeling that I do. I love it. It was just last week. 
another $31 shows up, well, we're going to lend it again. And off it goes again. And it's like, you know, $270 of actually paid money it ends up being $1,200 in loans. Right. No, that's that's excellent. That's uh, And it says it all been your project and you run it through and made it happen. So that's but cool. It's just, I, I like it because people do listen and uh, they do react. So as for you uh, advertisers out there who have yet to send us a chat <laughs> for bed, um, people do listen and they do respond. Now, speaking of advertisers, a big thank you um, to not only, well, it actually, they happen to coincide. Some of... Uh, a few people have decided to sponsor Savannah in her first MMA fight. Awesome. And so we have had uh, all covered in merchandise from Omni to send this giant thing for Savannah with just about every one of their products out there. Nice. Uh, that's Usara sending bags, hoodies, the whole gig. Uh, good old Albert from Float Clinic um, also helping out, which is sweet. So if you guys find yourself in Torrance, California... You need a place to try flotation tanks. Float Clinic is the way to go. His is the best. I mean, I just enjoyed yeah. uh, so many possibilities. A lot of people have these pods you climb into. The whole notion of the room and your whole sort of separate changing area and you get to rinse off real good and there's a shower right there. And then the chamber is not... A lot of people get creeped out by the chambers. No, they're great. And his are great. Yeah, they're great. They're not claustrophobic at all. They're they're awesome. Yeah. The... Um, Shaman's Simple Solutions, I mentioned them because they had sent us some salve in the past. That's also sweet. And I think I mentioned them earlier in the episode. Fight Chicks is this apparel company that does, uh, um, they do clothing. The whole brand is basically about women in combat sports, so about being good-looking but tough at the same time and promoting this idea of toughness. They even created a special discount for our listeners. So any of you guys want to check out some of their stuff, the discount is drunken, as in drunken Taoist, properly, 20-2-0. So drunken 2-0, that's the discount code. I'll put the links to their website in the episode notes. I'll also put it to, um, they have started printing this one t-shirt designed by Savannah. They'll probably do a second one at some point. So I'll put those in the episode notes if you guys want to check them out. If you know ladies who are, um, who could use some badassness in their life, check out the site that should be good thank you of course to daisy house for the eternal music we've been using for now quite a while very very sweet of them of course our affiliates so in Coracao chocolate if you guys are in the mood for chocolate check out in the episode notes the affiliate link to order through them what else can we say oh of course the amazon link some of you guys have been awesome for christmas shopping if you can really do all your just do it once just bookmark it put it up in your bookmarks or amazon link and then you never have to think about it again you just every time you're oh amazon let's click on that one it's done takes you two seconds and then you're done and it helps us a whole lot that would be sweet um the usual suspect Taoist lecture series you want to check it out my book not afraid there's an audio version of it check it out um there's always more stuff but i think this is that's plenty that's plenty (laughs) right there so on that happy note here we are with episode 100 and i hope you guys have an awesome day all right now as promised one more taste of mr trussell from episode one and as always thanks for listening everybody let's pick it up the other part of the universe what you were saying um you know, I went to the um, coffee shop. I saw this guy with a beard and stuff. I was 
totally picturing you you meeting yourself from a parallel universe and you're like who the fuck is this guy again it's like looks familiar but i'm not quite oh, sure with the beard huh? and yep yeah yep, that yep. would be weird running into yourself like that yeah man that'd be a, a fantastic um and, and and cruel thing to do wouldn't it wouldn't that be a cruel thing to do if you ran into yourself this is actually a spoiler from the time traveler's wife. Have right. you read that? No. It's pretty interesting. I think it's it is about a guy who could kind of run into himself. But here's the big question, man, that everyone must ask about time travel mm-hmm. from the perspective of the way time travel works is it goes into parallel timelines into the past. You can't go back in your own timeline. You could, but you can jump to parallel timelines right. if you believe in the multiverse or whatever. So if you could go back to yourself at your most horny time. Would you suck your own dick? <laughs> That's the ultimate question, right? That's the foundation of all metaphysical inquiries. I see the point. And that... <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Uh, I don't think I'm going there, but... Um... So you give... But every... I mean, I'm assuming every day or every other day... Right. You give yourself a hand job. Somehow that seems more acceptable. I don't know why, but yeah, when you put it away, I can see the I can see a question mark of why that's okay and the other one isn't. But. I mean, it's a weird thing when you right. like you ever do that where you look down at yourself jerking <laughs> off and you're like, I'm jerking off a dick right now. <laughs> like that is a dick in my hand. Like I am giving a hand job to a dick. It just happens to be one. attached. To me. Yeah, yeah, giant, giant, powerful. Dick, <laughs> a legendary thing, <laughs> but still a dick. <laughs> you know. So in that, and from that perspective, it's like if, if you could time travel back and like think of your most horny time. If you ever tried to suck your own cock, well, that requires more flexibility that I can ever manage. But you've never tried. I think I may have when I was. 10 or something and then I quickly realized yeah, physics being physics is not gonna happen and I quickly gave up I fucked my back up when I was a kid. <laughs> for like two nights straight for two, two nights trying. straight I was trying to suck my own dick I was so horny like I'd found out about blowjobs and there's no way one of those is gonna happen when you're like 13 right <laughs> So you're like, so you're gonna fuck. You're like, that's when you're the most flexible. Right. You kind of know you can do it. (laughs) I wonder how many emergency rooms. I wonder how many times they have to cart in kids rolled up like a fucking bug. Forget that. There's a friend of mine who. um, at UCLA, he works in the X-ray department, oh. and he tells me the amount of stuff that people shove up their ass on a regular basis that gets stuck there and they can't do anything. Some dude that told me not too long ago had shoved this old bottle of champagne and couldn't get it out anymore, and so they were like having to drill a hole to create, uh, uh, kill the suction the effect and be able uh. to... Somebody had um, the standard drug. This dude had uh, shoved the vibrator so deep that he couldn't get it out anymore. And that the uh, story got like the nurse was all freaked out. And she was all like, What's going to happen with this guy? He's like, Did he come so we can get it out and stuff? And they're saying, No, no, he just wants the batteries changed. Just leave it in there. <laughs> just change the batteries. That's all. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, man, people do some strange stuff to themselves when nobody's watching. 
And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. But yeah, I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell. Can me you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work!